And welcome back to another episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Jay Sohoda here and back at it to recap week three of the National Football League on today's episode. And once again, don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone's having a great week. I mean, how can you not? If you're a sports fan, this is an absolutely stacked week in the sports world. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup final last night. That playoffs just ended. The NBA Finals start on Wednesday. LeBron and the Lakers take on Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. The MLB playoffs kick off today. And of course, the NFL season is well underway with Week 3 kicking off on Thursday with Thursday Night Football. On today's episode, we'll recap a wild Week 3 in the NFL. How the 49ers practice squad beat down the New York Giants in Week 3's match. And looking ahead to their primetime matchup versus the winless Philadelphia Eagles. We will also break down the Niners injury report for the week and crown the week three 49er way weekly awards. Oh, let's get right into it. The San Francisco 49ers came in without 10 of their starters heading into their matchup on Sunday versus the New York Giants, and it didn't seem to matter. The Niners controlled the game from beginning to end with a 36-9 beatdown on the New York Giants from beginning to end. It was just... The Niners seemed to control the pace, control the tempo. The defense controlled the game when they were on the field. The offense controlled the game. It just seemed to me that this was a well-prepared game, a well-coached game. Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff showed and proved why they're among the best coaching staffs in the National Football League to come into a game like that. And I get it. You're against the New York Giants, not or the New York Giants. Sorry, not a great football team. But yet you still show up and are ready to play. And that's really what you have to do in this league is no matter who gets hurt, you you got to have the next man up mentality. And the 49ers embodied that all year last year, all the way on that Super Bowl run. And they needed it more than ever on Sunday, losing 10 starters who did not play in that game against the Giants. And the 49ers backups were marvelous. Starting and looking at some of the team notes, 29 first downs. The 49ers offense were on the field for a majority of that game. 29 first downs. Anytime you get that many first downs, you know you're doing something right on offense. 8 for 12 on third downs. The Niners have consistently been getting better each and every week on third downs after a miserable week one against Arizona on third downs. They rushed for only 93 yards, but that was kind of expected knowing that Jarek McKinnon was getting the, the main load without Raheem Mostert and Tavon Coleman. And obviously, Jarek McKinnon hasn't been the featured back as he's been out for two years with an ACL. But Jarek McKinnon did a great job, and Jeff Wilson was in there as well. And I expected them both to have a big day. I didn't expect them to run for, you know, over 100, 200 yards. But they did have a big day, and they didn't need to run for that many yards. Jeff Wilson had two touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon had one touchdown. They were great on the run game. 327 yards passing. I expected them to run the ball more than pass it, but it seems as if Kyle Shanahan had enough trust in Nick Mullins to get the job done. And we'll get to Nick Mullins a little more in just a bit, but 327 passing yards, they were really well. And they got Brandon Ayuk going in the passing game, Jordan Reed before he got hurt, Kendrick Bourne was getting involved. They got involved a little bit of everyone. And I really like the fact that they got everyone involved on offense. 
it was a great showing on offense considering we were without so much so many starters on offense as well the Niners defense forced three turnovers on the day heck of a job anytime you're forcing turnovers and not giving up turnovers that's going to be a positive for you and the Niners did a tremendous job with that Fred Warner had an interception right before the half and they got two fumbles as well they got to Daniel Jones the pressure I have to say and we'll talk a little more about that but the pressure was great considering we didn't have three of our starters we did really good but I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit but they did a heck of a job there. Only six penalties committed. Penalties still a little bit of a problem. It's only week three. Not a big deal. Time of possession. 40 minutes. The Niners had the ball for almost 40 minutes. They had the ball for 39 minutes. And the Giants only had the ball for 20 minutes. In that first quarter, the Niners were controlling clock so badly. I think the Giants only ran seven plays from scrimmage in that first quarter. It was phenomenal. And the stat of the day, the 49ers became the first team since 1993 to play a game without punting the ball. Mitch Wisnowski didn't even need to be active. The 49ers did not need to punt. Anytime you're doing that, you know you're doing something really good. No punts. That's it. I didn't even notice that until once Fox brought up the stat. I was like, wow, you're right. We we haven't punted the ball. That was just an, an unbelievable stat and they just a heck of a job. And lastly, this was the ultimate team win. You're without 10 of your starters. You can clearly see that this team was just well coached. They were well prepared. And I said this in my pregame post before this game, this game was going to take grit, heart, and resilience. And that is exactly what it took because these backups came in this is not a preseason game. This was a regular season game. They A lot of these guys haven't even had preseason reps. So this was their first reps of the season. And they come in and they play like that. That is proof that this is a team and this is an organization that went to the Super Bowl last year. Doesn't matter if you started or you're a backup. You were a part of a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and they played like it. Even if they weren't the players playing in that Super Bowl, they were still on that team and they showed it. And the coaching staff, they showed why they're the defending NFC champions. Just an absolutely amazing job by the San Francisco 49ers all around, considering we were without so much talent. And that was, it's funny because after the Jets game, the stories were all about how many guys got hurt. But I, like I talked about last week, nobody really talked about the fact that the Niners still beat down the New York Jets. And obviously the Jets are a dumpster fire, but still, it was impressive. And then you go into this week, Finally, the narrative was kind of shifting post-game to, wow, the 49ers kicked the Giants' ass without Garoppolo, Mostert, Bosa, Debo, Kittle, the list goes on. It was a heck of a job, and I always like to talk about embodying the 49er way. And this is not just a name of the page that I run and the podcast that I have, but this is a saying in a model that has gone on for years in the San Francisco 49ers organization and it means something and John Lynch talks about it as well what the 49ers did on Sunday embodied it perfectly it doesn't matter if you're a starter doesn't matter if you're a backup a third string whatever if you are on this football team when your number is called you go in and you're expected to play at a high level and that is exactly what this team did no excuses didn't matter who was out there or who wasn't or whatever the case may have been 
49ers came out on Sunday and they kicked the New York Giants in the mouth. That was a heck of a job by the San Francisco 49ers. On to individual notes. Back to Nick Mullins, 25 for 36, 343 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. You cannot ask more from a backup quarterback. That was awesome. All afternoon, Nick Mullins was sensational from beginning to end. And I know a lot of people are going to start the whole Jimmy Garoppolo-Nick Mullins comparison, and I'll get to that in a minute. But Nick Mullins was awesome. He did everything that you could have asked a backup quarterback to do. He was phenomenal. And I would have zero issues if the Niners said, let's give Jimmy Garoppolo another week or two of rest. We play the Dolphins and the Eagles the next two weeks. If Nick Mullins plays like that, and I have all the faith in the world that he will, I have no issues sitting out Jimmy Garoppolo until week six when we play the Rams, because that's a big game for us. Nick Mullins, hell of a job. Jarek McKinnon, Brandon Ayuk, and Jeff Wilson Jr. all scored rushing touchdowns this week. Hell of a job by all three. Brandon Ayuk, Led in receiving on the day, five catches for 70 yards. And of course, he had his first career touchdown on the ground. Heck of a day. And it's funny because I know they kind of mentioned this when they drafted Ayuk. He is a lot like Debo Samuel. And it's going to be so interesting when we bring Debo Samuel back. He's going to be practicing this week. Now you don't just have one guy like that, but you got two guys. I can't wait to see how Kyle Shanahan utilizes both. And that will certainly mess defenses up when you have the running game that we do. And then you add Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk that you could use in the passing game and the run game. That's going to be interesting. And obviously the running touchdown that Brandon Ayuk had was a lot like a touchdown run Debo Samuel had last year. Very interesting. And they're both very similar playing styles. But a hell of a job by Brandon Ayuk. And he showed his his first round worthy. in First round worth. In that game, hell of a job by Brandon Ayuk. Kendrick Bourne, another solid day, four catches for 63 yards. Kendrick Bourne is just showing that he's a solid wide receiver too. I mentioned Fred Warner's interception. That was huge, especially with no Richard Sherman and no Nick Bosa. Fred Warner had to be the leader of this defense. And really, he was the leader of this defense all season long. But when you're without Richard Sherman and Nick Bosa, you need your leader to step up. And Fred Warner made a massive momentum shift kind of play at the end of half with that interception. Huge play by Freddie. Deion Jordan, active for the first time this season, had a sack and a fumble recovery. He looked really good. Kerry Hyder had a sack. He looked great. And back to the D-line, I was going to say I was going to go back to them. No Nick Bosa, no Solomon Thomas, no D Ford. They mauled the Giants D-line all afternoon. And I cannot wait for this week's matchup against the Eagles because the Eagles O-line is as banged up as anyone's. Our D-line should be able to eat. Ziggy Ansah looked great. Jones looked great. Armstead looked great. The D-line was awesome on Sunday, and they did exactly what they were supposed to do, even though we were missing three starters. Heck, oh yeah, Javon Kinlaw. How can I go without saying the D-line without talking about Javon Kinlaw? He was awesome on Sunday as well. Another guy to shout out, Jason Verrett. This guy, the question was, can he play a game without getting dinged up? And he did. For the first time since 2017, Jason Verrett played a game didn't get hurt, especially considering all the players that have gotten hurt for the 49ers. Jason Verrett came out of game healthy and he played very well. Considering it's his first game and he just hasn't been consistent, he did a very good job. And I'm proud of Jason Verrett. It's a heck of a job and we may need him going forward. For all I care, maybe he starts aside Richard Sherman when Sherman comes back. Jason Verrett, heck of a job. Overall, just a hell of a job by the 49ers this week. They took care of business. They beat the team they were supposed to beat and they beat it really convincingly as well. 
Heading into Sunday's matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football, 49ers get to showcase. Some of these backups are going to get their opportunity to showcase to America what they got. Everyone knows about Garoppolo and Kittle and Debo and all those guys. Some of these backups now might get their opportunity to show America what they're made out of. My keys to the game against the Eagles, I already mentioned taking advantage of a thin offensive line. The Eagles do not have a good offensive line. The Niners defensive line should be able to get to them very easily. Get to Carson Wentz, pressure him. It will lead to turnovers. And that's what this defense was so good at doing last year. Getting pressure on the quarterback, it ends up it ends up translating into turnovers. Just a heck of a job. And I know the Niners will do that against the Eagles on Sunday because the Eagles don't have a good outline. And the Eagles have been terrible. And we'll get to that in a little bit as well. Don't turn the ball over. The Niners have done a really nice job of not turning the ball over so far. So far, so good on that side of things. And lastly, I've been saying this for the last two weeks, beat the teams you're supposed to beat and take care of business. This is another winless team the Niners are facing. They're at home now for three straight weeks. Take care of business. On to the 49ers injury report and oh boy, it wasn't as bad as the Jets game, but there is still a long injury report to go along. And we start off with Jordan Reed. This one sucks. Because Jordan Reed was playing really, really well. And this is the one guy that you just did not want to see go down. And obviously, he went for a touchdown. A touchdown pass that Nick Mullins was going to throw to Jordan Reed. It was incomplete. And immediately, you saw Jordan Reed reach for his ankle. He came out, came back in for a play or two, but then went back off. And apparently, it had nothing to do with his ankle. It was actually a knee sprain. And Jordan Reed is apparently going to be sidelined for six to eight weeks. His expected return, I'm saying maybe week 12 against the Rams after the bye week seems like a possible day, but I mean, you just got to feel for the guy. I mean, Jordan Reed was playing at a really high level and Garoppolo had chemistry with him, Mullins had chemistry with him, and oh my goodness, if you pair him with a healthy George Kittle and it seems as if we only got, what, a quarter where we had both of those guys healthy and that was in week one with no preseason and you... You just didn't really see them both get going. And that's just unfortunate. And the fact that George Kittle is looking on the positive side of things helps with the situation. But man, if you have, like I talked about having Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both on the field at the same time, imagine we had a Jordan Reed who finally got into things and a healthy George Kittle. And that just sucks because Jordan Reed was even saying before this game happened that He's still getting into things from his previous injuries, and this knee injury just sucks. So he's out for six to eight weeks. Don't expect him back until at least, I think, after our week 11 bye week. Emmanuel Mosley left the game with a concussion. His status to be determined. Jarek McKinnon suffered a rib injury day-to-day. Should be good to go for Sunday. Doesn't seem anything too crazy. Mark Nazacha, linebacker, suffered a quad injury. Most likely going to miss the next three games. Kwan Williams suffered a hip injury, status to be determined. So again, these injuries don't seem too crazy. The only bad one was Jordan Reed. Nothing like the Jets game though, but still pretty bad. Previous injuries that happened before this Giants game, obviously updating you all on their statuses going into the Eagles game. Obviously it's Tuesday, so it's still early in the week, so we don't really know. 
D Ford likely to go on IR and miss the next few games with a back injury. His status is to be determined at the moment. Dre Greenlaw will miss Sunday's game against the Eagles. Aziz Alshire will get the start. He played really good on Sunday, and he played really good last year in place of Quan Alexander. So I think we can live another week with that. Jimmy Garoppolo with his ankle sprain week to week. Here's the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. If he practices this week, that is probably a good indication that he'll go. But if he doesn't practice, that's your indication that Nick Mullins is most likely going to start. So we'll find out one Wednesday and see what the situation there. George Kittle, same thing. We'll see how he goes in practice. But George Kittle's an animal. I think he's most likely going to be back Sunday. Raheem Mostert, a little bit of the same situation there. He's the same injury as Kittle. Akella Witherspoon hamstring, also same thing as Mostert and Kittle. We will see what happens in practice. And of course, just to update everyone in case they want just a recap of some of the players that are already on IR and when they're coming back. Richard Sherman is expected back week five against the Dolphins. Debo Samuel is back at practice this week. He is activated off injured reserve, but playing this Sunday against the Eagles is a hard maybe. We'll have to see how this week goes. It is possible he plays, but more likely expect him to start week five against the Dolphins, but he could play on Sunday. We don't know yet, but he could. And then Ronald Blair, Weston Richburg, and Julian Taylor will all be back or are expected to be back week seven against the New England Patriots. And of course, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Jalen Hurd out for the season. So another long injury report. And boy, oh boy, I mean... We were all concerned about guys going in and out of the lineup with the the coronavirus, but with injuries, I mean, this has just been ridiculous. I mean, I can't wrap my head around the amount of injuries that have happened this early in the season to this football team, but I think Sunday was a testament in the faith that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have in this football team, that it doesn't matter who you throw out there, we still expect to win on Sunday. And that shows a lot. And I think it's going to be the very similar narrative as last year of, oh, who cares? The Niners beat the winless Jets and the winless Giants. So what? They're not going to beat the good teams. Because guess what? By the time we play the Rams and the Patriots and the Seahawks and the Packers, right, that, that little sprint from week six to, you know, really the rest of the season, Garoppolo should be back. Kittle should be back. Debo should be back. A lot of our starters should be back. So... In that case, we'll see if the Niners can get their starters back. But I think if they play any, if the backups play anything like they did on Sunday and we get a lot of our starters back for that run, the 49ers are not dead yet. I will at least say that. We are not dead yet. And I think the media is going to be the media and they're going to write us off like they did last year. We were, what, 8-0 and they still wrote us off. Oh, the 49ers haven't beaten anyone. Let's see. We'll find out. Because the way that I look at it at the NFC, there was a lot of competition. But when I look at it, these teams are are still beatable. They're still beatable. Seattle, is Seattle, Chicago, and Green Bay are the only undefeateds in the NFC right now. Chicago was beatable for sure. Green Bay is beatable. Aaron Rodgers is, is just playing at an elite level and being the elite future Hall of Famer that he is. Russell Wilson, same thing, is playing out of his mind. But take away Russell Wilson from that equation. The Seahawks are, eh, like, you know, they're good, but they're not that great. It's just Russell Wilson is just so, so, so good. He just, he just takes, him and Rodgers just take their teams to the next level. But obviously, 
we certainly do not have the same defensive line we do last year. That's going to be a problem. But hey, we'll find out in a few weeks when we play the Packers and Seahawks. So we'll find out then. On to the week three storylines, other storylines around the rest of the NFL. 2-0, Buffalo took on 2-0 Rams. Somebody was going to lose. That was a heck of a game. Buffalo improves to 3-0 with a 35-32 win over Sean McVay and the LA Rams. The Bills led 28-3 until the Rams stormed back, but the Bills won the game late. Josh Allen threw a touchdown in the dying seconds of that game to win at home over the Rams. Jared Goff threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Josh Allen threw for 311 yards and four touchdowns and a pick. Josh Allen continues to ball out for the Buffalo Bills early. They go to Las Vegas next Sunday. Daryl Henderson ran for 114 yards. The run game has still been there for the Rams. That's a tough, tough loss for the Rams. I mean, hey, I was happy. I'm sure a lot of us 49er fans were very happy about that result. But the the Rams still look good. And they got the Giants on Sunday. So that should be an easy win for them as well. So the Rams are not out of it just yet. The Patriots steamrolled the Oakland Raiders. Or whew, Las Vegas Raiders. And handed them their first loss of the season. 36-20. to Cam only 162 passing yards on the day. One touchdown and one interception. Sony Michelle, big day on the ground for 117 yards on that. The Patriots continue to look really good with Cam Newton under center. They got a big one against the Kansas City Chiefs next week. The Cleveland Browns beat the Washington football team 34-20 to and improved to 2-1. Here's a cool note. This is the first time the Cleveland Browns have a record above 500 since 2014. The Cleveland Browns are 2-1. and one. We'll see how long that lasts. But again, maybe this is a, a good thing for Cleveland. I really hope so, but we'll find out more. But the Browns won a game that's supposed to win against Washington. The Pittsburgh Steelers improved to 3-0 after defeating the Houston Texans 28-21. Ben Roethlisberger threw for over threw for 237 yards and two touchdowns. James Conner, big day on the ground, 109 yards. Steelers continue to look good. And I've been saying this all offseason. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a scary team. And with the Baltimore Ravens loss last night to the Chiefs, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in first place. So we'll see well, how that happens. The Steelers will play the Ravens, I believe, on week seven. That should be a heck of a game. But Steelers got a big one against the Titans on Sunday. Both are undefeated. The Eagles and the Bengals ended in a 23-23 tie in overtime. Both teams remain winless. Oh boy, we will talk more about this game later on. But the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't know what is going on with them. The Bengals, you know, they're still rebuilding. Joe Burrow looks really good. You know, not really a terrible thing for the Bengals, but way more alarming for the Philadelphia Eagles that... This is a home game. You should have you should have beaten the Bengals at home. I'm sorry. I don't know how that happens, but that's definitely some serious concern for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Niners got the Eagles next Sunday night at home. So I'm a little happy about that. And I expect the Niners to get the job done in that game as well. The Tennessee Titans edged out the Minnesota Vikings 31-30 in Minnesota. The Titans improved to 3-0 on the season. The Minnesota Vikings dropped to 0-3. Kirk Cousins threw for three touchdowns, but threw two, but threw two interceptions. Dalvin Cook, a massive day on the ground, 181 yards on 22 carries. And Derrick Henry also had a massive day running for 119 on 26 carries. No surprising news here. The Atlanta Falcons blow another lead. 
This time, 26-10 at the hands of the Chicago Bears, who benched Mitchell Trubisky late in the second half, put in Nick Foles, throws the game-winning touchdown, and hey, just like that, the Chicago Bears out of nowhere are 3-0. Who in the heck would have predicted that? We will talk about them in a little bit as well. And the Atlanta Falcons stumble to a to a 0-3 record to start the year. And guess what? It doesn't get any better for them. They have to go to Lambeau Field on Monday night to take on the Red Hot Packers and Aaron Rodgers on Monday night. Good riddance for the Atlanta Falcons already getting behind in already a stacked NFC South. The Indianapolis Colts rolled the New York Jets 36-7. No surprise there. Carolina got their first win under Matt Rule 21-16 over the Chargers. A little bit surprising uh, result there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers handled the Denver Broncos 28-10. No surprise there. Rob Gronkowski got a little more involved in the offense for Tampa. The Lions... A big upset over the Arizona Cardinals, forcing three Kyler Murray turnovers on en route to a 26-23 road win over the Cardinals. I was surprised, very happy about it, but very surprised that the Lions actually won that game. And they showed a little bit more what they're made of. This is a good Lions team, and I know they're good, but it's good that they finally got over that hump this season because they had the whole losing streak thing going in from last season to this season. They needed a win under their belt. That was a big one for Detroit for sure. Seattle edged out Dallas 38-31 in a wild game. Russell Wilson continues to ball out and playing MVP caliber football with five touchdown passes on the day. The second time he's done that on the early season already. And the Green Bay Packers beat the New Orleans Saints 37-30 on Sunday Night Football. Alvin Kamara, big day on the ground. Not on the ground, actually. In the receiving game, 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers, another three-touchdown three day. And the Kansas City Chiefs took care of the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, 34-20. to So, the other day, or on Monday, yesterday, I put up some polls, some surprises, and you guys got to vote on which team and their record is more surprising than the other. Let's start with the first one. The first one was either, who is a bigger surprise? The 3-0 Tennessee Titans or the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers? This ended in a tie. Nine votes of peace. I I honestly agree with that because I, I don't think... I'm going to say Tennessee is a little more surprising because I think Pittsburgh... I expected this with Ben Roethlisberger and a good defense. I expected this. Having said that, you look at the opponents that Tennessee and Pittsburgh have played thus far. They have a combined record of 1-14 and this season. The Bengals, or not the Bengals, the Broncos are 0-3. The Titans and Pittsburgh, uh, the Titans and the Steelers both beat them. The Titans beat the Jaguars, who were 1-2, and and they beat the Vikings, who were 0-3. The Steelers beat the Giants, who were 0-3, and then the Texans, who were 0-3. There's not much of a surprise there. The Titans beat three teams that have won one game combined, and the Steelers have beaten three teams that have won no games combined. I'm So really, I don't think there is a bigger surprise here. But Tennessee, I am a little bit more surprised that they started 3-0. But I guess we'll find out on Sunday, because... The Titans host the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. So guess what? We're going to find out who really is of the surprising team of the two. Having said that, there was breaking news today. 
the Tennessee Titans became the first team during the season to have three players tested positive for the coronavirus. Yeah, not good news at all. Having said that, no one in Minnesota tested positive, so that is good. So, you will have to stay tuned for the rest of the week. We don't know if Tennessee-Pittsburgh is going to happen on Sunday, but we'll have to see how the NFL handles the situation. Tennessee's facilities is shut down for the week, so I have no idea what's going to happen with that game. Moving on to the next poll, more surprising record, the 3-0 Chicago Bears or the 0-3 Houston Texans. Chicago had more votes. I'm not surprised here at all. I think Chicago was definitely way more surprising than Houston going 0-3 because here's who Houston has played in their first three weeks and here is who Chicago has played in their first three games. The Texans have faced the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs, the 2-1 Baltimore Ravens, and the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. You lost DeAndre Hopkins. You lost a lot of talent. There is not much of a surprise for the Houston Texans at all, especially when you play three of the best teams in the AFC to start the season. Good riddance for the Houston Texans. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson, but it's going to be a long season for the Houston Texans. For the Chicago Bears, it is definitely a surprise that they're 3-0 because I don't think any of us thought they were going to be this good. But here's the thing. They're not that good. Because they beat the Lions, the Giants, and the Falcons. Only one win combined out of those three teams. Therefore, I don't think it's been that impressive that the Chicago Bears are 3-0. They play the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, so that should be an interesting test there. But I do have to say, I thought the Bears would have lost to the Lions. They looked ugly for a majority of that game. I thought they should have lost to the Falcons as well. Really, they should have. They were down 26-10. to But the Bears came back both times. One with Mitchell Trubisky and now one with Nick Foles. Nick Foles will start on Sunday for the Bears. I don't know what to make of the Chicago Bears, but I am very surprised that they're 3-0. And I definitely agree with the majority vote. And the last poll that was up, which team is to be more concerned heading into week four? The 0-3 Minnesota Vikings or the 0-2-1 Philadelphia Eagles? Ironically, This was the matchup of the NFC Championship game in 2017. And look where they are in 2020. Crazy. Having said that, the Minnesota Vikings have lost to the Green Bay Packers, who are 3-0, the Indianapolis Colts, who are 2-1 and are very talented, and the Tennessee Titans, who are 3-0. The Vikings have have had a hard schedule. Having said that, the Minnesota Vikings, there is expectation there. High expectations. Because when they brought in Kirk Cousins, they wanted this team to make it to the Super Bowl. They did lose Stephon Diggs, which is a tough loss. But this is still a good team on paper. I didn't expect them to start out 0-3. Maybe if they started out 1-2, I could kind of see that, or 2-1. But 0-3, I don't know. And when you fall 0-3, especially in such a stacked NFC conference... I don't know. And Minnesota, that's tough because they really took it over the hump last year when they beat the Saints on the road. And that was Kirk Cousins' signature win as a quarterback. But then you stumbled to 0-3. I don't know. And it doesn't look good for the Minnesota Vikings right now. For the Philadelphia Eagles, it is so much worse though. So much worse. Because Minnesota at least played three teams that that are good. Philadelphia lost to Washington, the Rams, and the and tied with the Bengals. 
The Rams, all right, I can kind of get that. The Rams are playing really good football right now. But Washington and Cincinnati at, no, 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 Washington was on the road, but Cincinnati was at home and so was the Rams game. I'm sorry. You should have beaten Washington up 17-0 and you blew that lead. And then Cincinnati at home and you tie? Carson Wentz is supposed to take this team to the back to the Super Bowl. That's the expectation. Do I feel like those expectations have weighed on the Eagles? And it's almost as if they have this pressure and Carson Wentz is like, I got to get back to the Super Bowl or else the Eagles fan base are never going to trust me or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know what the case is, but you got to get rid of that because you got to have the one game at a time mentality. You can't, especially when you have a banged up offensive line, a banged up receiving crew. Carson Wentz has just got to be able to take a one game at a time mentality or else next thing you know, we're going to see Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I love Jalen Hurts. Things are getting a little out of hand in Philadelphia, but I don't know. If I'm Minnesota or Philadelphia, I am definitely concerned if I'm both of those teams. So after week three, we have Buffalo, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Green Bay, Chicago, and Seattle as the last of the undefeated teams after week three. I'm not surprised. I think the only one I'm surprised about is Chicago, but every other team, I'm I'm not surprised they're 3-0 at this point. On to the week three weekly awards. Starting with the Jerry Rice MVP Award of the Week. The candidates were Russell Wilson for the third straight week, Josh Allen for the second straight week, Alvin Kamara, and Patrick Mahomes. You guys voted 13 votes to Patrick Mahomes. It is crazy and mind-boggling to me that Russell Wilson has not had a single MVP vote in the actual, I'm talking about the real MVP voting for the MVP of the National Football League. Russell Wilson has never received a vote. I have put him up as a candidate for three straight weeks, and he has been easily the best player in the NFL, and he can't even win an MVP award for this podcast. Russell Wilson, 27 for 40, 350 yards, five touchdowns, and the stat of the week, the most touchdowns thrown in NFL history through three weeks is Russell Wilson. With 14 in three weeks, the most in NFL history. No one is playing better than that guy, even though it makes me sick to my stomach to admit that. But that guy is playing unbelievable. Yet he still can't win Jerry Rice MVP of the week. I I don't know. If he doesn't win MVP this year, I don't know what to say. But I mean, who knows? Anyways, to the actual winner of this week's MVP award, Patrick Mahomes. He was sensational last night, though, in Baltimore against that defense on the road. I mean, they got a lot of help from that defense, but Mahomes was, oh my goodness, this guy was just a class act. I mean, some of the runs that he made out of the pocket, some of the throws and making moves in and out of the pot, I mean... My goodness, Patrick Mahomes was just, it was just not fair. 31 for 42, 385 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Just an excellent day for Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to shout out Alvin Kamara while I'm at it. 13 catches for 139 yards and two TDs with no Michael Thomas. Hey, way to help out your squad there. The Saints, eh, they don't look that good. They're one and two, but the Saints are always a team that struggle at the beginning. But they're always there at the end. So I'll leave it at that. Patrick Mahomes, your week three winner of the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. Bill Walsh, Team of the Week. The candidates were the Seattle Seahawks, 3-0. Pittsburgh Steelers, 3-0. 
Kansas City Chiefs, 3-0, who stomped the Baltimore Ravens last night. And the San Francisco 49ers, who beat the New York Giants without 10 starters. In second place was the Kansas City Chiefs with 12 votes. And your winner of the Bill Walsh Team of the Week award is the team that Bill Walsh coached and won many Super Bowls with, your San Francisco 49ers. And I am happy that you guys all voted them because I was hoping that they would be crowned Bill Walsh Team of the Week award because nothing embodies a Team of the Week award than a team that wins a game that convincingly without more than half their starting lineup. And the 49ers, I don't know how you can give a team the Team of the Week award than what they did. What they did was was better. than the Seahawks, 3-0, oh, great. You have all your starters. You have one of the best quarterbacks in football. Same goes for Kansas City. And Pittsburgh has a lot of their starters still playing. The 49ers did not have 10 of their starters that helped them go to the Super Bowl last year. And they killed the New York Giants. They deserve to win this award, and I'm glad you guys voted them with 18 votes. The 49ers, your Team of the Week award with a 36-9 shellacking of the New York Giants. The 49ers practice squad is what won them that game, really. Unbelievable stuff. And well, we talked enough about them already on this episode anyways. To the Cody Pickett L of the Week award, the New York football teams were the candidate with eight votes, but the winner goes to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals, who ended in a tie and remain winless with 10 votes. I think the New York football team should have gotten this award, to be quite honest, because they both suck. I mean, the Giants got their asses absolutely whooped by a practice squad, and then the Jets go to Indy and look absolutely awful after losing to the Niners, who lost more than half their starters in the second half, and they got their asses absolutely kicked as well. New York football is just a joke at the moment. But the Eagles and the Bengals ending in a tie, I mean, yeah. You know what? If you end in a tie, I think that you are deserving of the L of the Week award. So, But you know what? Philadelphia, they deserve the L of the Week award. Because for the Bengals, you're still rebuilding, getting off to an 0-2 and that's not awful. But for Philadelphia, no, that's awful. L of the Week award. I'm going to give it to Philadelphia. But Philadelphia-Cincinnati tie is what won the vote. Raheem Mostert's Surprise of the Week award. Carolina defeating the Chargers got two votes. I thought it was slightly impressive, but it's not that impressive because the Chargers are eh. But the Lions defeating the Cardinals are your winners for the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award because this is a surprise. Kyler Murray looked like Michael Vick out of Madden 07 in the first two weeks, but the Lions forced three turnovers against Kyler Murray. Three interceptions. The Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia, they showed up in Arizona. They are your winners of the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week. I, I that, that was a quite pleasant surprise. And the last one, which I don't usually do, but which coach is seat is the hottest through three weeks of the season? The candidates were Adam Gase of the New York Jets, Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons, Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans, or Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. It was not Mike Zimmer. He only got one vote. I love Mike Zimmer as a coach. The Vikings are struggling. They shouldn't be 0-3, but I don't think he deserves to be fired, at least right now. Bill O'Brien is your winner of the coach of the of the coach whose whose seat is the hottest with 12 votes. I agree with this. I agree with this more than even just these three games. Bill O'Brien should have been fired years ago. He's the only thing that is holding this team back, bottom line. And the Texans, honestly, 
Texans would have been in the Super Bowl last year if it weren't for Bill O'Brien. I'm just going to go out and say it. I can sit here and talk all day, but I don't, I don't have all day. But Bill O'Brien has been holding that team back and he traded their second best player. And Deshaun Watson can't be Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins. That's like saying Batman can't be Batman without Robin. Like it's just, you know what I mean? Bill O'Brien deserved to win this award years ago, but he won this award this week. Dan Quinn was also a candidate with six votes. Adam Gase with seven if Adam Gase is not fired in the next few weeks, I don't know what the heck, like, what are the Jets evaluating? When they say we're going to evaluate performance, I don't think there's been anything worse than the last two weeks. Getting your butts absolutely kicked by the 49ers and the Colts. I mean, I, I have no words. And you only scored one touchdown, and that was in late in the fourth quarter against Kyle Shanahan practically put in all of his backups late in that fourth quarter of that Jets game to prevent anyone else from getting injured. And the Jets scored their touchdown in those minutes. That doesn't count. That does not count. The Jets are just awful. And I feel terrible for Sam Darnold. They're a dumpster fire. I don't know why Le'Veon Bell would want to go there out of all the teams, but no wonder Jamal Adams wanted out. I really don't blame the guy. But if Adam Gase is not fired in the next few weeks, I don't know what in the hell is going on in New York. Looking ahead to week four, some headline games. The New Orleans Saints go to Detroit. I think that could be an interesting game. It's a must-win game for the Saints that was sitting at one and two. And the Lions are coming off a big win. That should be an interesting game there. Two and one Cleveland goes to one and two Dallas. That is an interesting game. Is it a trap game for the Cowboys? I don't know. That's a really interesting game there in the one o'clock slot. Steelers at Titans, both 3-0. If that game happens, it's to be determined, obviously, with the positive test to the Tennessee Titans. We will see what happens with that game. But if it is played, that should be an awesome game. We'll find out really in the first real test of the season for Pittsburgh and Tennessee who wins that football game. Game of the week, in my opinion, New England at Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. Whew, that's going to be an awesome matchup. Cam Newton against Patrick Mahomes should be a phenomenal matchup there at 4 p.m. Nance and Romo on the call for that one. Bills at the Raiders, I think it's an interesting game. Not a great one, but you know, it, it should be a fairly decent game. And then the Falcons go to the Packers on Monday Night Football. Oh, Lord, that should be a really interesting game because Atlanta needs a win badly. And they have to go to Lambeau Field and play Green Bay in primetime? Oh, Lord. We will end this episode, of course, how we always end these weekly recap episodes with the survival pick of the week. If you are still alive, heading into week four in a survivor pool. I have the LA Rams over the New York Giants. I think the Rams schedule is only going to get harder from here. They got an easy game. And when I look across the schedule, there were a lot of games where I was kind of, you know, iffy about... But I like the Rams over the Giants. I think that's an easy win for the LA Rams. Anyways, thank you for listening in this week's episode of the 49er Way podcast. We will see you next week for the week four recap. And don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.